0: I see how my outdoor activities help me in the gym, and I see how the gym helps me with my outdoor activities, and it's just like constant like this. It's just fun.
1: Hey, I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for being here. I am really excited about today's episode, as always. I hope you're having a great week, great fall. Um, Before we get started with our interview with Jess today, a couple of quick housekeeping things, as always. We have free stickers for you if you hit up our link in bio. You can find them there. Um, We are happy to send them over. We would really appreciate it if you shared an episode with a friend or if you um, rated and reviewed us wherever you listen. So, a couple other fun things. If you're celebrating something new, please let us know. We would love to give you a shout out over at the Celebration Corner. Um, And the other thing is we're not professionals here at In Her Nature. You hear it every week. We are not going to give you the full story in just one podcast episode, but we hope that we give you a really good starting point and kind of like an ability to move forward in whatever you're thinking about doing. So yeah, we are really excited today about our episode with Jess. So Jess um, started FlowZone coaching with the intention of building strength in skiers, in bikers, in people that do outdoor things, which we are so amped for because it's kind of hard to find that structure in these outdoor sports. So we talk all about finding strength in the ski season. We're in the kind of Weeks leading up to ski season, which is so exciting And so this is the time where we can work on strength and other things to really Make sure that we have a really good season ahead of us Even if you've never skied before I think this is a really good place to start with strength Um, Jess started this 12-week program called 12 weeks to the peaks It's only open for a little bit here. Like I think october 6 that closes and basically you can Get three workouts a week that will help build strength and confidence to becoming a better skier. Really tangible way to see improvement in yourself. I have started the first couple of workouts that Jess sent over to me and they're really fun. Kind of like 40 minute to an hour sessions that I did cardio afterwards and honestly like really refreshing, fun way to get strong. So I'd really highly recommend it. You can um, just look up 12 Weeks to Peaks. It's also in our show notes. So I would really highly recommend that i think it's 180 for 12 weeks so it's like five dollars a workout which is so reasonable there's also a three-day free trial so just give it a try and see i'm i think you'd be really impressed with it then the last thing is we're doing a giveaway for a free 12 week subscription to the program and some really brand new in her nature merch this is the first merch we've ever done super limited so if you enter the giveaway there's rules on our um, instagram page you can get entered to win like a free trial to the 12 Weeks to Peaks program, some In Her Nature merch, and some other really cool stuff. So we'd really recommend you guys do that. And we are so excited for you to get stronger this ski season. Jess, thanks so much for joining us on In Her Nature. I'm so excited to talk to you today. We were just talking before we recorded. You're moving. So how has the summer been for you?
0: The summer has been... um... Pretty eventful. I had a pretty big injury in April. I broke my fibula and tore my MCL. So um, the first large majority of my summer was pretty slow. Um, I didn't have much going on outside. I just um, worked a lot, worked on my business a lot. Um, Yeah, that and then this move happened very unexpectedly. we, I got offered a job and then moved within like three weeks.
1: Um, wow. So quick so, yeah, turnaround.
0: It's it really quick, yeah.
1: Yeah. And home for you is Colorado, the mountains of Colorado, which is so cool. Um, it's been I'm sorry for to a hear. While.
0: I grew up in um, Nederland, Colorado, and then went to Gunnison for school, and now I'm in Carbondale. So just moving around the mountains, I guess.
1: Jeez, that's so cool. And that is really fun. My boyfriend was just there for a uh, Fiall Raven trip he was guide or like helping work and so he was in netherland like the whole time like a month ago so kind of funny
0: it's kind of a cool place a weird place yeah to grow it's up, but, it's yes.
1: kooky for sure i'm sure you have crazy stories about it it is kind of a weird town but it's cool <laughs> everyone <laughs>
0: always says that and i feel like i don't have any weird stories <laughs> but I, you're like it was normal that yeah
1: that's crazy well i'm sorry to hear about the injury that's always like a hard thing to deal with um but i'm sure you have a lot of like insight on that so i'm excited to get into it um so growing up in Colorado like it's the playground of all the sports we love to do so like what activities are you do you really love what did you grow up with what are you doing now
0: um so I grew up mostly just skiing and it was very casual I was like a weekend skier I just went with my dad we skied at Eldora, um, which if you're not familiar is just a very dinky little resort in Netherland. um it was never like, I never raced. I never did anything official. Um, and that was pretty much it through middle school. And honestly, into high school, I didn't really start. I was always outside doing random stuff, but it was just like, you know, normal. I grew up in the mountains. So I was just outside. Um, and then once I got my driver's license is once I, is when I started to like actually do stuff and I got one of my um dogs Shasta around that same time and so we started hiking. Um that's when I got into backcountry skiing because I wanted to be able to go with my dog, which probably should have, you know, met some people that were doing that before I did it. But now we're educated. So it's better. Love but that. yeah, skiing's <laughs> definitely my biggest my biggest activity.
1: That's so cool, and I like the transition from. It's a very natural transition to be like, okay, backcountry skiing sounds sweet. Let's try it. Um, yeah, we definitely advocate for for education over here, but mm-hmm. like like you said, when you have such great access, you kind of start to dabble. Um, well, and I'm are and so you-
0: young. True. <laughs> I didn't true. Know yeah, I you're like in your was, teens. That's so super young.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's funny. And probably desensitized to it too, because you're around it all the time.
0: Honestly, a little bit too much. And then I started to realize um more when I got older and I was like, I need to be better about this.
1: I had a little yeah. bit of a
0: scare on a winter hike with my dog. Not about avalanche stuff, but just like yeah. hiking in the middle of a storm and it was just dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, like it all kind of comes clear to you, and you're like, what am I doing right now? Which is mm-hmm. like fine. I mean, it's kind of like a close call or a near miss, but sometimes those can be really spooky. I have had similar yeah. experiences too. Crazy. Well, I want to talk today about like what you're the work you're doing now, like after graduation and everything. So you own your own company, you run your own business. Um, can you tell us like the backstory behind starting Flow Zone coaching?
0: yeah um it's kind of crazy to be talking about this i feel like during the whole ski season this past year um i kind of knew so my degree is in exercise sports science and then um, i've been competing on my school's free ride team for like all my years there and so i kind of joined the free ride team with no competition experience no race experience no coaching Um, and that's kind of, I stepped into the gym right before that, um, kind of separately. And then once I joined the free ride team, those things started to cross. And I was like doing dry land training with the ski team, which no one took very seriously. Um, just a handful of people on the team. And, um, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed like getting stronger and I enjoyed pushing myself on the ski team and then kind of like. My last year on the ski team, um, I didn't have classes my spring semester, so I was just a classic ski bum, but I was still on the team, and I was just skiing every day, and I was still going to the gym and training, and I had an internship with the NCAA strength coach, and so all of this was happening at the same time, and I was interning mostly for wrestling, so that's like kind of (laughs) the team I was with. Um, with the NCAA coach and I was just like very intrigued by the structure for NCAA sports and like how everything is so sport specific. And they like target certain things um, that are like common injuries in those sports. And it's different for all the sports, obviously. Um, and that kind of like really inspired me to create something similar for skiing and for other outdoor sports because you don't see that same structure at all. And it was just kind of like this little tiny idea in my head. And I did not know what to do. I couldn't even put it into words. I didn't know like really what I wanted with it. Um, And then I got hurt at the end of the ski season and it forced a lot of downtime and flow zone was kind of coming together before that. But after the injury, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm like, planning it. It's happening. I like made my LLC and I was like, okay, the whole goal is going to be injury prevention, performance, and confidence in the mountains, no matter what sport you do. Um, So yeah, that was a really long answer. (laughs) It's kind of been like coming in my brain for a long time.
1: (laughs) No. And that's the, I think it does a nice job kind of going through your thought process of I went through these really traditional sports. Like wrestling is the most traditional sport I can think of. It's like <laughs> like so OG. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sh- I mean, I can't speak to it at all. But like I, let's just say I have like very little interest in wrestling. But the point I'm trying to make is there's like a thought process to that. They've been doing it for so long. There's a lot of tradition, a lot of like workflows of how to get an athlete through certain things. And it's like pretty streamlined, it seems like from a very outsider's perspective. And like outdoor adventure sports are almost the exact opposite, in my opinion. Like a lot of times you're not coached. A lot of times you're kind of like learning from friends and you're kind of piecing it all together. So I like this idea of like a more structured approach because for us that like don't have the best access in the mountains, like we have to take that time and like really use it well or like really spend time enjoying it. And so you don't want to be like, out of shape or like worried about injury and all these things when you're out there when you can kind of put the work in behind the scenes and
0: kind of help yourself out one of my one of my biggest like interests with it is that extreme sports are already so dangerous um and for me personally I don't like being in a situation where I'm nervous about other things that I can't control, like exposure, snow conditions, whatever, and feeling like my strength and like my body is the limiting factor. Like, you know, what's taking up space in my brain when I should be thinking about like, where should I put my foot? Where should I,
1: you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I think as women we're or like people that identify as women, like for me personally, I feel like I can be too self-aware, like I'm thinking about way too many things and it's taking me like literally out of the flow zone. And that's why I tend to like sports that are pretty simple in nature. But I also am drawn to these like high consequence sports too, because they're just cool and they're fun to do and they they, like really push you. So that's so true. Like if you can really put work in behind the scenes, it might make you more present in the moment. Yes. Which is cool. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking like there's kind of two spot, two legs to this, I guess. So one is strength in the outdoors, like physical strength, which we can talk about. And then the other is like confidence, which I think comes from strength. But say like an athlete that's had no coaching, but loves to ski, loves to trail run, whatever. How do you help them A, feel strong and B, feel confident, I guess, when they're out there?
0: Okay. Yeah. So I think a big thing with outdoor athletes and like extreme sports people is that most of them have pretty good endurance. Um, most people like are doing, you know, mountain biking, running, hiking, backcountry ski. you know, they have pretty good um, like aerobic capacity. And so I think to increase your confidence and strength in the outdoors, it's really just a strength and conditioning aspect. So more like higher intensity um, training and that um has really 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 increased my confidence. I started initially with Olympic weightlifting, which is very not required for it at all. I was just really interested in it and I had a coach for that. Um and I was doing that like as I um worked my way through my years on the ski team and I just noticed that like lifting heavy weights through a full range of motion helped me so much. Like think when you're like climbing up, like boot packing up stuff, or like um, sidestepping on skis, like the the range of motion that you're going through is pretty big, and you're limited because you're in a ski boot. And so you can't get like, the you know, the right muscle contraction, really. It's just different. And I think strength training through like a full range of motion with heavy weights is just very helpful for that. And it helps you gain confidence in those situations like boot packing for me is pretty scary especially when it's steep I don't love it especially carrying your skis so it's like if I don't feel strong in my legs I get really scared
1: yeah okay can you break down so you said full range of motion can you kind of like break down what that means because like I know for someone that like speaks as exercise fizz like I can't kind of know what that means but can you explain to us what like full range of motion means like in a workout setting
0: Yeah. So if you're thinking like the classic example would be a squat and people are always like, oh, you have to go ass to grass, but then like, there's the other side where it's like, you can't go below parallel and your knees can't go in front of your toes, which is totally not true. Um, going through a full range of motion in your squat is going all the way to the bottom position. So that's different for everybody, but it's like ass to grass.
1: Um,
0: so it's like a full lengthening and shortening of the muscle.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm like not a lifter at all. And so, and it honestly really intimidates me because there's like so much form stuff that I don't know. And I don't want to like screw my back up or whatever. So this is like new and fun. So I'm excited to get into it because it's something I'm not comfortable like in the gym doing really. And that's my other question. Like how do you get people to get comfortable with this stuff? Like how do you start with this?
0: I think having a plan when you go to the gym is like literally the biggest thing you can do. And people who show up to the gym and, like, don't know what they're doing, like, don't even have a little bit of a plan written down in their notes on their phone. Like, it's really, really hard because people are, like, on the machines. People are using the squat racks, and you're like, well, where do I even start? And it's Mm -hmm. like when you have a plan on your phone or just, like, on a piece of paper, like, I use paper for my own workouts. I like it. Um, It just is so much It eliminates that whole factor and it makes you feel like you at least have a little bit of a plan and you're like okay i'm gonna start with a warm-up i just need to find like a cardio machine that's open or space that i can jump rope or something you know and then you just get started um, and you have a plan so i think that's a huge thing also um video technique analysis like i do online coaching and so that can be a big part of it for people who um don't have experience in the gym video technique analysis is like big. So you can send me videos of you working out, which I know a lot of people are really weird about doing, and that might be a whole different thing that you're nervous of, but that's definitely helpful.
1: Wow, that's super cool. I'm like really into this because I have this problem. I go to the gym when everyone else goes to the gym and you're like, wow, the three machines I don't know how to use are open. I guess I should just kind of like figure it out. And then I don't do them again because I didn't have fun and then I see no results. So I feel like, yeah, you're totally right. You do need to write it down, have a plan. And I do want to emphasize, so you like, you have a company. We want to like send people to you if they feel comfortable and maybe want these services. And I don't want to give away like Everything you do, but would you be able to walk us through like okay, so you said like a warm up, can you walk us through like the key parts of a plan?
0: Yeah, yeah, so um, basically, I program workouts to start with a little bit of cardio um and then a little bit, so the warm up is like. Going to be a general warm up and then it moves into specific to what you're going to be working on that day. So like if it's a leg day or you're going to be doing squats first, like you know warming up the parts of your legs, doing some air squats, you know getting all those muscles kind of firing, going through the full range of motion without any weight and stuff like that. Um, and the warm ups are you know, they're all pretty similar, but I do tend to like warm ups that are specific to whatever you're doing that day, um, and then generally move into some sort of power component or plyometric stuff. Um, so this is like any kind of jumping, like box jumps, um, power cleans if you're in that kind of realm, but that's totally not necessary. Um, squat jumps, like anything power and explosive. Um, and then I kind of transition into the more strength stuff. So bigger movements like squats, um, Deadlifts, different variations of single leg things, uh, different types of step ups, um, you know, whatever bigger movement, and then accessory work after that, um, and then maybe core, or maybe um, you know some metabolic conditioning type workouts, which would be like a circuit or something that's short and just hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I when you were talking, I'm like, I know literally nothing. Like, you think you have a little bit of an idea and then I'm like wow that is that it really goes to show that I probably could benefit <laughs> from like a professional coach that is so helpful oh my gosh thanks for explaining yeah, I know that was probably like really basic two, but okay so let's confident. talk about that because I do feel yeah. like for our realm like we want to be outside that's the whole point of the hobbies we do mm-hmm. we want to like be always doing something outside in the season so how do you kind of like work that into your your week or whatever
0: so One thing that I'm very like passionate about is that soreness and muscle fatigue are different and you can be sore from something and still perform really well. Um, Whereas you can be fatigued from something and not necessarily even be sore Mm -hmm. and perform like shit. So I think like working out and balancing that with outdoor activities really comes to learning what that feels like. For you, like, what is soreness and what is fatigue, um, and balancing your activities around that. Personally, I've had some of the best ski days, the best workouts when I'm like so sore, and I show up and I'm like, this is gonna suck, and then it's like the best day, and I'll like hit a cliff that I didn't even think of that I would be hitting, and or like you know PR no. something. And
1: I'm like, oh, yeah. I was sore.
0: I wasn't even gonna go. Um. So that's definitely a big thing understanding that difference and then also just understanding that when you first introduce strength training you will be sore (laughs) and you're going to be sore for a few weeks and your body adjusts and it's pretty cool like if you can just stick to it for a few weeks you will notice like your body adjusts you'll be significantly less sore you'll be able to do you know both in one day even um
1: I'm like, my mind is blown right now because that's so true. Like I, okay. So one thing I want to touch on is like, how do you know the difference between soreness and fatigue? Is that just like body awareness over time?
0: I think it is, at least for me, it is like when you get, so any muscle soreness comes from introducing something new that you haven't done. Um, whether that's like a completely new exercise or like a new weight or a new amount of reps, something like that could make your body, your muscles sore. Um, and that can also be present with fatigue. So it's more like, you know, doing little checkups with your body during a warmup. Like, how does this feel compared to when I was warming up last week? Like, how does this, and you know, even into your warmup sets of, the workout like past the actual warm up like maybe you're warming up for squats and you're doing like some light squats um seeing how that feels if you were sore in the beginning of the workout you might not be sore now you might feel pretty good or you might still be like oof i'm pretty tired like it's not feeling great that might be more like the fatigue side Um, but they can definitely overlap like it's not one or the other
1: Dang. I'm like really trying to think back on all these times where like I didn't perform well, but I maybe felt okay. Like I felt fine, but it might've been just fatigue Mm -hmm. and not even like like muscle fatigue, but like mental or like, that's a different conversation I think too, but like, or emotional fatigue. Like you have a really hard week, you're moving, you're starting a new job. And like, I don't know something's off, but physically you're not like expending yourself in a way that would warrant that fatigue, but it's, it's off time when you're not working out that's happened to me for sure so that's really interesting
0: yeah and that's why I so in my training for online training it's pretty hard to like use percentages of like one rep maxes and so I use RPE which stands for rating of perceived exertion and this is really nice for online training especially for people who are doing other stuff outside of the gym um which does honestly doesn't even have to include activities. It's just life. Like life is stressful and it takes a toll on you. And some days, you know, if you're training at an RPE eight, which it's, it's a scale of one to 10. So if you're training at an RPE of eight, the weight you're using to feel like you're at an RPE of eight might be different on from one day to the next. Um, right. And it doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're getting less from that training. It's just like, that's what you can give that day. And
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to let your body kind of dictate what it wants. I mean, it's important to keep showing up and getting the work done, but I do think being flexible is important because that's maybe like how you avoid injury and stuff like that when it's not needed. Um, do yes. you use heart rate variability at all in your training?
0: I don't you I personally don't really use it that much. Okay. I don't know enough about it to really implement it. I'm interested in learning more and I've been learning more I've been listening to a lot about it um in podcasts and stuff but I really don't know enough about it to implement it into training
1: yeah that's how I feel too I might so my Garmin watch that I wear like 24 7 has it on it and so it will like tell me when my heart rate variability is low which means that my body's fatigued essentially and this is this is a non-expert explanation of this this is like my own very primitive understanding of it but essentially it's like your nervous system being stressed and so Like, I think my heart rate variability was low this week because like school, my week at school was hard. So it was, I was like, wow, that really aligns with like my outside life. So I don't know. That's maybe for a different episode when we both know more when we're talking about it. But it's really interesting that like fatigue is way different than soreness. And that's an important thing to figure out in your own body.
0: And then there's also like muscle fatigue and like physical fatigue. And then there is mental fatigue, which is more like the CNS nervous system fatigue. Right. That,
1: yeah. And that made me also think like when you're out in the back country and you do have to make these decisions about like, do we want to take this type of snowpack or do we maybe want to do a different thing? Like you have to make these big decisions. And so CNS fatigue can be really important. Yeah. So being self-aware and being able to recognize it, I think is really cool. Okay. That was cool. I didn't yeah. know anything about that. So I'm really hyped we got to talk about that. <laughs> Um, okay, one thing you also said that I wanted to pick up on is like you can do these things in an hour or so. Cause I get intimidated. I'm like, I don't have time to add this into my routine. So, how often do you feel like athletes need to be incorporating this stuff to see like actual differences in their outside time?
0: I actually literally right before we got on this recording posted <laughs> about that on my Instagram, which is Oh my is gosh, funny. go check it out. Uh, I do like a fun fact Friday. Thing And I just posted like, fun fact, you can gain strength with 60 minute workouts, like two to three days a week, Um, which is a very broad fun fact. And I realized that um, because for this to work, you have to be training hard, like and by hard, I mean, high weights, higher intensity. So like a lot of times people will think, oh, well, I'm doing like sets of 12 sets of 10. But that's it does work, you know. But there's just different different goals, and that maybe takes longer and is slightly more fatiguing. So it kind of just depends what your goals in, what season you're in. Um, but yeah, the minute like minimum effective dose for gaining strength is lower than most people think. I think.
1: Yeah, that's nice. It's like approachable in that way. Like you can gain yeah. change just by like maybe looking at your routine a little bit differently and seeing where you can like build mm-hmm. in time or maybe like reorient time. I think you brought up a really good point is that one thing I wanted to ask you about, and you brought this up already was like our hobbies change based on the seasons, right? Like ski season is for a limited amount of time. So like, how do you adjust your workouts for like what season you're in?
0: So I have done for the past four years that I've been like really, really into skiing. Um, I've done different things pretty much every season. Like I said, I started kind of with Olympic weightlifting and then I started doing CrossFit and then for a little little bit of time, I tried to do both. Um, and I have, have had some injuries kind of like sprinkled in between that has changed my training styles. Um, and then there was a season where I was just doing CrossFit. Um, and so I've had like personally a lot of different experiences with different types of training during the ski season the preseason, the off season, um, and had different effects from all of them. And I have noticed that training during the ski season, like you should 100% do it. Don't stop training during the ski season, but you definitely have to adjust your approach and, um, how they do this in NCAA sports is they lower the volume, which is like the amount of sets and reps and they increase the intensity. So they're doing sets of smaller, like shorter sets. Um, What am I saying? Less reps per set at a higher weight, so higher intensity, instead of doing um, sets of higher reps at a lower weight. So this would be like doing four sets of five compared to three sets of 10. Like sets of ten are very high. That's high volume, and it's very fatiguing, and um, it just you know it's very fatiguing to your muscles. It takes a lot longer to recover from that, and so that's typically the type of training you do during the off season, Um, and then you kind of shift into this higher intensity type of training, which sounds it sounds weird at first, like oh I'm going to use heavier weights, but this this helps for reducing the recovery time, reducing the amount of soreness and muscle fatigue. Um, and it helps you maintain strength during the ski season rather than, you know, losing strength if you stop working out or trying to gain strength while also trying to prioritize skiing. if that makes sense, yeah, it's
1: like counterintuitive in a way, almost. like you wouldn't think more intense things would be better, but it that actually totally makes sense after our soreness versus fatigue conversation.
0: yeah because i don't know like if you ever try and do sets of 10 on squats um your legs are going to be very tired for like a few
1: days (laughs) can you tell i haven't Um, because i have like no context for it (laughs)
0: that's that's okay
1: (laughs) but i want to i want to get into it i'm like into this now
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's kind of fun I i like doing both it's like I see how my outdoor activities help me in the gym and I see how the gym helps me with my outdoor activities. And it's just like constant like this. It's just fun.
1: Yeah. And I think like we said, like to get back, I guess, to our like original question. So we've talked a lot about like strength itself and how like strength kind of plays into confidence in the outdoors. Like, how do you feel like you as an athlete have seen that in your own life?
0: Oh, so many Ways. I think probably the biggest thing is that when you crash it just doesn't hurt as much like I, I and I also just don't feel as nervous to crash like I think oh well I'm doing this in the gym like I'm confident like not fully confident because you still can get injured obviously it happened to me this year um, but like I just feel more almost like more robust I guess <laughs> like, yeah, I can like handle- resilient yeah yeah resilient is a good word and just like I'm like oh well I've been you know I've been doing these squats I've been doing all these lunges like I've been doing box jumps like I know how to land this my body's strong enough like I've been training for this like this is fine and then it kind of lets me put more of my mental energy into actually doing the thing rather than thinking about if I can do the thing so that definitely helps with my confidence a lot um And then I would say crashing, like actually just crashing and being able to ski away. Once you do that a few times, um, it's definitely helped with my confidence. Um,
1: yeah, I love that you have like experience in free skiing because it's literally the exact opposite type of skiing I like to do. Like I am such, like, I just want really like intense turns. Like I used to, not that I was good at ski racing, but like I did a little bit of it and I loved it and I love water skiing for the same reason because you just like really carve these like really cool turns Mm -hmm. and I love finding lines where you can like, yeah, it's different, right? So I love that you have experience in like a totally different type of skiing because it's like still Mm -hmm. the same sport, but like, yeah, you're right. Like, And that kind of still goes with the type of skiing I like to do because if you can just confidently hit those turns and like not be afraid of wiping out and if you do wipe out, you kind of like know mentally how to get through that. You just mm-hmm. – you, you start to have more fun, too, is the other thing.
0: Yeah. And it comes a lot, too. Like, the injury prevention kind of plays into that, too, because when you're crashing or falling, you're going to be in probably a weird position. Like, your your body's going to bend weird. I actually have a video on my Instagram of, like, me kind of analyzing a back slap. Um, and, like, your knees are in a weird position. Like, your sh- my shoulders went behind me, like, you know – And if you're not strong in those positions, like that does put you at more of an injury risk, um, especially your knees. And so that's where training through a full range of motion and like getting your tendons and your muscles used to contracting and being strong, like in kind of weird positions um, is really important.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you, I feel like a lot of my injuries tend to be overuse injuries. So less like big impact and more like little, impacts over a large period of time do you still feel like strength training because I have this disbelief that strength training like adds to the overuse aspect like can you kind of help like debunk that a little bit I feel like that can't be true but that's what I tell myself
0: (laughs) so I feel like with anything overtraining is just from doing too much without enough progression yeah and so I can't tell you that like strength training, you won't have overuse injuries, but I can yeah. say that if you progress correctly and you don't, um, you know, try and do too much new stuff too soon, it does help with overuse injuries. And you can, a lot of overuse injuries are tendons, um, you know, like tendinitis in your knees and elbows. Yeah, and like connective and stuff tissue like stuff. That. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, like your tendons can be trained your tendons get stronger, takes longer than muscles to get stronger. So it's kind of just playing the long game, um, you know, doing the smaller things that you don't necessarily see a difference from, like targeting those really small muscles in um, like in your up, especially that can really help. And then, yeah, like tendon strength just takes time.
1: Yeah. We talked about it a little bit in the climbing episode where like new climbers will get injured really easily because Mm -hmm. their muscles are getting really strong, but like their connective tissue isn't. And so you can like pull these moves that you probably like shouldn't be able to, but your muscles are really (laughs) strong, but then they like tweak out your connective tissue. That's like obviously the technical term, but um, yeah, that like goes into it. It's not just climbing. It's also like skiing and biking and running, trail running, all those things. So I love it. I'm just, I'm trying to be like a more resilient athlete. That's like kind of the word I'm trying to look for is like, I just want to be able to do all my sports confidently and strong. And I'm, I always struggle to find something that does that. So, um, Mm. I'm excited because I feel like we're getting somewhere with that. Um, one thing (laughs) I wanted to ask, one thing I wanted to ask was like, okay, as a female athlete, I feel like I have to think of things a little bit differently. So like, what tips do you have for female athletes?
0: Eat. um eat yeah i'll say it again eat um <laughs> so many like you're on a typical ski day i feel like people just don't eat and it's so 100
1: yeah 100
0: if i'm skiing with a group of people i notice that they just they never eat they never drink water and then i start to bonk and like everyone gets grumpy and everyone's getting mad and it's like guys yeah. and girls do this like you j- just stop for lunch The mountain's not going anywhere.
1: Say it again, Um, please.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll make the second half of the day so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, And also eat breakfast. People don't eat breakfast before they go to the mountain. And I'm like, you're bizarre. Like I can't even drive there without eating breakfast. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) another thing is don't be afraid to lift weights. You're not going to get bulky. It's really, really, really hard to get bulky. And so, if you just prioritize lifting heavy, like women especially, it will help so much. Yeah, you don't need to be scared that you're going to get big or look like a look like a man.
1: Yeah, well, and like, who cares if that's what you want to do, or whatever. But yeah, yeah, like like you said, that doesn't happen overnight either. That's like no. a, a lot of and people have hard. to work really hard. Yeah, it's hard to do.
0: Very hard. Um,
1: I love like the idea of eating because I <laughs> low key have been. Like the odd one out in my group where I'm like, dude, I need to eat, or like I have to go drink water or like slam a Gatorade or, I have or to whatever. Pee.
0: Like literally yeah. I just have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like
1: it's like so funny, especially on like powder days where people are like, We cannot give up one second. And I'm like, I think we can give 20 minutes. Like it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's not snowing anymore. Like, no more free refills. Yeah.
1: Or or, just- or like if it is a powder day and you can't say no to anything like at least you've had experience in your season where you aren't like your cup isn't empty on that day like maybe you do have a little bit more bandwidth to like tap into that save it for really great days or something I don't know yeah wow that's I love that do you have like okay so I listened to a podcast a different one about how a lot of women are like under fueling and how that's like manifesting in different ways do you have any like advice at all or like any experience at all with that
0: um, I do have a lot of experience with this. So when I first moved to Gunnison, and the whole probably year before that, I was really under fueling. Um, I was trying to lose weight um, and change the way I look. And I was like doing so many different things to get there. I was like, trying all these different types of diets and just like, you know, really restricting, Um, especially when I moved to Gunnison and joined the ski team, I was like, oh, like all day skiing, this is the perfect distraction to not eat. So like I was part of the problem, a hundred percent. And, but I was doing it on purpose. Like I was like, this is like, this is how I'm gonna, you know, get where I wanna be. And then like, I just had no energy. I noticed, I just, it was horrible. I was not having fun with skiing like at all anymore. And I was, I don't know. It was just, it really sucked. And I think starting to, that's when I started to get a lot more into lifting weights and getting strong. And I was like, okay, like if I want to actually do this, I really, I really do need to figure this out with food and like the mental side of it. Um, and that's what really got me to a healthier relationship with food and eating is strength training. Um, because if you're not if you're not fueling it, there's really um, no point.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like you can't physically do a lot of it either. You know, you can't see no. what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have a similar experience too, so you're not alone in that. I it's not with skiing, but it was with running. The same thing. It was like yeah. I can run, and I'll just run until I get too hungry, and it's like that is the the ship has sailed at that point. You know, if you're hungry on your run, that's like recipe it's for so injury. Sad. It's yeah so sad and it's, that
0: that's like I think almost every woman woman goes through something like that, and it's right. It's just so sad. like you don't need to be the smallest version of yourself,
1: yeah, and that right. that's so true. like you don't and you shouldn't be like the smallest version of yourself isn't always like the happiest or the strongest or like the most. I don't know. There, it, it, That's not the be all end all. And I think that's like, so cool that we're talking about it. Cause I didn't see that in our interview, but I love that. Cause it's like, I do think every like female athlete has probably like felt that in some aspect of what they do. Yeah. That's sick. 100%. I'm glad we talked about that. Well, and yeah. I'm glad that like, it also led you to like a career helping people get through this. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: When I was in that, like when I was in the thick of it, I had no idea because that exercise science was not my major at first. I I changed my major a lot, so wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: I did too. So I feel you. Um, <laughs> women with a lot of interests, we love them. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk a little bit. I'm like so excited for ski season this year. I don't know what it is. I think we just had a great one last year, and like I'm really excited. So as as it's approaching us what can we kind of be doing to like prepare for those first opening days, your first trips out there? Like what can we be doing now in the fall to kind of help us out?
0: Start now in the gym. Like I see so many people and they're like, I just going to finish up like bike season. And then as soon as it's like shoulder season, then I'll start. And I'm like, that's not enough time, especially when we're talking about tendon strength, which we just were. Um, That takes like three months minimum to start seeing changes which when you put it into perspective, it's September, like start now and you'll, you'll see changes. You know, you won't be sore after the first day of skiing. Your knees might hurt a little less. Um, that first day of skiing, like the knee pain is real being like, I don't think people recognize either that the position you're in with a ski boot, just walking. It's like a lot of, you know, it's just a lot of pressure and force just standing there. And it's like, yeah i mean you can prevent a lot of the knee pain if you start now and like i said right. like you two to three days a week preferably th- i think i lean towards three but
1: maybe start with two and like build yeah. two solid ones and then if you can get a third in and then all of a sudden you're doing three more often than two like it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be black or white but like yeah also zero or like doing something is better than nothing like exactly even if you can only get one in like that's better than none. So whatever.
0: And I think also, um, so there's something called the accumulation effect, which is where like the different things that you're doing, like all the activities you're doing, strength, training, endurance, whatever, kind of accumulate to fatigue the muscle, especially if you do them in the same day. And over time, like that makes you stronger. Um, so there is something to say about like mixing the you know summer activities like mountain biking that we all do or hiking with strength training not necessarily on the same day but just like throughout the week that you know once you start combining both of them you see really big changes
1: that's super cool that's like a yeah. good pitch for why we should be doing it now so i'm someone i don't live out west so i have to like really prioritize my days out there so i do a couple trips a year and i'm out there for a week And I want to ski and like get every single like minute out of my days. But by day three or four, like my legs are so shot. And so do you have any like advice? And I know we've like said it over and over again. It's like you just need to start. But like I don't get those like weekly reps in as much as I'd like to. So do you have advice for like athletes like that that maybe like don't have the best access but still want to have better endurance throughout their weeks out there?
0: yeah so i think if you're one of those athletes who isn't skiing you know at least a day every week but you want to feel like you have been when you go there's definitely ways to you know get closer to that in the gym and out of the gym i think um doing like some higher volume work can help with that because it has more of like the endurance effect
1: Well, it's hard, right? Because that's my problem is I get out West and I get so amped. And on my first two days, I ski my brains out. Like I ski so hard. And then by my third day, I'm like, dude, I can't even like put, I can't even like hold my skis like up on the lift. Like I can't, I need the bar down to rest my legs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's something to say that like, that's going to happen when you're skiing really hard days in a row, no matter how hard you've been training. Like that's the fatigue that we were kind of talking about. But if you are consistently training um, before that, you know, the fatigue is going to set in a lot later. You'll be able to go um, maybe a little harder, a little longer when you're skiing. But it's definitely just like, you know, the long game, playing the long game. If you're training for, you know, all year round and kind of adjusting how you're training based on the season that you're in and the sports that you're participating in, I think that's probably the biggest way to help with those kinds of you know spikes in activity
1: right so just like having a consistent approach to it like being consistent with your training and and we say that like every episode we're like just be consistent right but Mm -hmm. have some yeah oh my god yeah yeah and like again something's better than nothing but just like start strength training and keep with it and yeah adjust per season
0: yeah
1: okay and that was gonna be my last question was like okay so this is the like classic tale of an outdoor athlete. Whenever you're in one season, you're not doing the other thing. So like during ski season, how do we like stay in shape for like bike season or vice versa? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So I think like one of the biggest things is that if you're still doing these activities, like if you're biking all summer, it does help prepare you for ski season. Like, you know, it helps with endurance. It helps with muscle endurance too. And it helps with leg strength. It's not, but it's not everything. And so if you're supplementing whatever sport you're doing with some sort of strength training, that is just specific to all the sports that you do or like if you're biking in the summer, if you just supplement with strength training, that is a little bit more specific to skiing and then kind of like switch that approach in the winter. Um, That's probably my, like, that's probably the most helpful way to do it. Um, But yeah, just don't, don't stop. And obviously it's like important to take rest days and it's important to let your body recover after a hard season, like whether it's summer or winter, you have to take time, you know, you're probably going to have some nagging injuries at the end of the ski season and like definitely take time to care for those things, but it doesn't mean you necessarily have to stop going to the gym like there's different ways to approach all of it and I think that kind of listening to those nagging injuries but then you know staying consistent throughout the season is the best way to have smooth transitions between all the seasons.
1: Yeah that's huge too because like right now we're coming up on a phase where like you might get injured because you're exhausted from your summer then you start adding on stuff for ski season you don't really let your body heal and then you jump right into skiing. And, like, you almost overwork yourself. So that's really – I mean, that's such a good point that, like, we do need to make space for just kind of getting our bodies back to baseline, kind of clearing out the stuff that we had and just – yeah, that's really that's a really good point. Okay, Jess, so we've talked a lot today about, like, skiing and strength and all these things that are going to hopefully make your ski season way better. But one thing we're really excited about is we heard that you're doing – like a 12 week strength program to help us out something a little bit more tangible. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yes. So, I just dropped a program. It's called 12 Weeks to the Peaks. It's a ski training program specifically for any kind of skier from, you know, beginner to competitor level. Um it's just a 12 week progressive program that really targets like the areas that you want to be strong and injury resistant for skiing specifically. Um, it's just three days a week around 45 to 70 minutes per workout. Um, so about three hours a week in the gym. Um, And it's pretty um, inclusive. It has strength, power, mobility, conditioning. So everything from helping with the strength for your pop to helping with the strength and initiating turns um, to even helping with like hiking with your skis or backcountry skiing. um, It's going to help with all of those things. So I'm really excited. It's also um, geared towards all levels of people in the gym. So there's a lot of different... Uh, alternative options for some of the exercises. You don't need very much equipment. You do need access to a gym, but equipment wise, you don't need to use a barbell. You don't have to have much experience using gym equipment. And there is videos of every exercise um, for people who don't have experience with the movements. So it's very like meet you where you're at, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, so we're so, we're so excited about that because I know I get to the gym And I'm just like, what is going on? It's usually busy when I'm there. So it's really fun to have a plan and to just like watch the videos, do the thing and leave feeling like you actually got something done, which is just so fun. So going in with a plan is huge. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's what we talked about is just like, sometimes you need a little help to kind of get there. And so this is a perfect way. So if people are interested in signing up for it, how can we find more info about it?
0: Yes, so currently on my Instagram, which is at Justin Around with three S's, I'm sure that'll be linked somewhere. Um, it is in the link in my bio, so you can get it there. It's also in a few captions on my Instagram, but the easiest way to get it is the link in my bio. Um, and there is a three-day free trial, so you can try out some of the workouts, see if you like them, uh, see if it's worth it for
1: you, and yeah. Yeah, that's so amazing. We would say it's definitely worth it. We got a little sneak peek to do the first workout. And I was telling Jess kind of like off the record, I was like, wow, I haven't felt sore like this in a really long time. And so I can definitely tell you that like, it's going to be something that you're going to want to have in your toolkit coming up for ski season. Sore in all the right places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sore in all the right places. (laughs) Amazing. Anything else you want to add about the program at all? So we will be having a giveaway.
0: I think by the time this podcast goes up, the giveaway will be live and you should still have time to enter it. Um, But there's some pretty fun things in the giveaway. You'll get access to the program for a dollar. And then there's some hoodie possibilities and some stickers and some other merch that might be included in the giveaway. So definitely if you're interested in the program, but not quite sure, check that out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Love that. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll have our first piece of In Her Nature podcast merch, which is gonna be so hyped. So we're excited to be a part of that giveaway as well. Yes. You can find us over at in her nature pod on Instagram and TikTok. If you like today's episode, please share it with a friend, rate and review us where you listen. We are currently looking for podcast sponsors and advertising partners that align well with our brand, so reach out if you'd like to work with us. Music today by Tommy Z with the porch flowers and our logo is done by the amazing Riley Johnson at rej.creative. Don't forget the stuff is in your nature.